What's up, guys? Austin here with Block Bites. Just a quick reminder, this isn't tax advice. It's not love advice. It's not financial advice. I can hardly manage my own money. I sure as hell don't want to manage yours. So nothing about this should be considered actual professional advice. But we're going to be talking about one of the best networks in crypto, and that's Polygon. So stay tuned. You're going to love it. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Austin with BlockBytes, and welcome to Quick Flip Polygon, the show where we break down all of the news from around the Polygon ecosystem for the last week. With me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Mr. Clay Kilgo. Clay, what's cracking, buddy? Not much, man. I am so stoked for today's episode. Like, I this is episode two of Quick Flip Polygon, and I love this show because there is so much to talk about every single week. It literally makes our lives so easy. So I'm just like, uh, yeah, we've got a ton to cover and and every every week there's like some hard-hitting uh major news event it's it's awesome man yeah the hard news event happened like this morning man we had to we had to call an audible right in the middle of making the topics for today like oh shit jp morgan's involved we got to talk about that so yeah. but before we get to that Let's dive right in, man. Let's dive in. So uh, no matter what side of the political aisle you fall on, it's pretty damn cool when you have politicians in the United States uh, talking about Polygon projects. And that's exactly what happened the other day uh, when Ted Cruz put out a tweet about the 2022 election midterms uh, that are, you know, they're coming up here in like a week. And he referenced polymarket.com. And so... You know, I'm not much of a gambler in the traditional sense of the word, although I buy shit coins all the time. But I, I had to go to Poly Market to check this out. And, and I got to be honest, man, I spent like an hour and a half going through this site, looking at the various things that you can bet on, like will Hunter Biden be indicted? Will Donald Trump uh, file to run for president? Will he ever tweet like like this is really cool shit? <laughs> Clay, have you ever been on this site? Uh, so I hadn't seen it until I saw that tweet, but it, it is one of like the it's one of the coolest uh, sort of betting implementations I've ever seen in crypto uh, on blockchain. You know, will Doge dip below uh, ten by November thirtieth? Like, there's there's so many limitless um, things that you can basically you know come in and, and place a, a bet on. It's crazy. I mean, it's super cool, man. So I'm wondering, like, all right, so they've got these, you, you can see the odds here, kind of, right? If you want to bet no, will there be a runoff in Georgia? It's going to cost you 64 cents. If you want to bet yes, it's going to be 36 cents, which means the majority is going no. So that's why it's going to cost you more money. But like, how do they come up with these odds? Like, is that just based on how many people have bet either side? Is it, is it like, like the population that's picking these odds? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it to me. I mean, I haven't seen like their, you know, I don't know if they'd release a methodology. Vegas isn't going to show you their methodology of how they come up with a line. Mm -hmm. But when people get really heavy on one side or the other with like a Vegas type line, you see the line move in one direction or the other. So my assumption is that there's a certain amount of money sitting on both sides of these uh, of these scenarios. And that's how it's actually placing weights against you know the possible outcomes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy. On freaking believable it's well here here's really what i wanted to say about this is that we have polygon projects uh that are being talked about in in the highest echelons of government not because like like maybe ted cruz uses polygon i don't know but because they're just they're just permeating through uh you know the web3 space and so so many people are building on polygon there's so many different things that you can do that things are are naturally going to to tap into the upper echelons and so 
I don't know. I found that to be pretty cool. Go ahead, Clay. I was going to say, like, they actually made it really super easy to use. Like, you can fund your wallet in, like, in seconds from uh, uh, just any normal crypto exchange, Coinbase, Binance. It's connected to MetaMask. Um, and you can basically bet on these future events. And effectively, you buy shares uh, in the market that you're, you're going into. Um, and, and as you sell, the odds change. That's, I think that's how the odds are made one way or another. Um, but basically, once the, the bet or the outcome resolves, um, you get a dollar for each one of the shares that you've picked up in this, uh, in this scenario. So such a cool, um, just unique thing. And I've, I haven't seen it on any other chains. And um, I, I was kind of blown away. And, and the fact that like politicians are actually using this as a proxy for, for potential outcomes in an election, like how much has life you know, shifted, uh, you know, into the world of blockchain when we're not seeing Quinnipiac polls being the, the only <laughs> guidance of what might actually uh, happen long term. You're seeing, um, you know, poly market. And so it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Nice, nice. Well, to be fair, I think the polls or the polls, the betting odds were skewed in favor of a, a, a tweet for a political party, you know, that tweeted it out. So maybe that yeah. maybe that played a bit of a role. But the fact remains that it was available and he grabbed it and rocked on it. So, all right. To the biggest news of the day of maybe the week, I don't even know, but JP Morgan executed its first live trade on a public blockchain using Polygon. And I want to I want to kick over to this tweet here real quick from Ty Loban. Uh, hopefully I said his name wrong or correct. Ty, if I got your name wrong, forgive me, brother. So World, JP Morgan has executed its first live trade on a public blockchain using DeFi, tokenized deposits, and verifiable credentials, uh, part of MASSG project guardian. And I want to like, I want to break this down for you real quick. So I did some digging on this. This was just released like a few hours ago. And it's a, it's a pretty like pivotal moment, uh, when it comes to banks interacting with DeFi, tokenizing assets on blockchain. And, uh, it did happen on Polygon by the way. And so here's what ended up happening. So these guys launched a permission pool on Aave on Polygon. And they set custom parameters like interest rates, uh, Forex exchange rates, things like that. And what they did is they issued tokenized Singapore dollar deposits. And, and what's interesting about this, according to the tweet, this is the first issuance of a tokenized deposit by a bank, right? So it's kind of a big deal. And so what they did is they created their own custom on-chain verification system working with uh, the World Wide Web Consortium. W3C, and then created custom wallets, right? So you can really see TradFi is coming in here and they're using the, uh, the abilities of blockchain, the abilities of smart contracts to make it fit what would fall under the, the risk guidelines that they have to follow. And so the, the custom wallets kind of needed ensures traders can only access funds uh, for trading. They can't actually get to the funds to yank them out and they can only actually go to approved DeFi protocols and what they did they executed a real live money trade of singapore dollars for japanese yen and so this is interesting because it's one of the first true on-chain examples of institutional DeFi, and it happened all on polygon and this came out this morning and this is massive news clay what do you think about this man um i think that you said the words kind of a big deal and i'm gonna <laughs> take that take that further and say this is a massive deal uh, come on, man. Um, you know, like to see uh, JP Morgan and DBS Bank, you know, basically conduct foreign exchange and government bond transactions against liquidity pools. I mean, realistically, because we talk about this stuff all the time on other shows, 
I didn't think we'd see this for years, honestly, with, with the amount of, um, of regulation that we expect in the United States, there's so much clarity that is needed. Obviously, other countries are, are you know, more progressive and more forward-looking in this sort of space. But this is something I didn't expect that we would hear about or see for a very long time. And it's funny, we're going to have Justin Bebas come in uh, in, a, in a later segment to do some technical discussion. But a few weeks ago, he, he mentioned, when are we going to see government bonds on chain? Uh, and I saw the tweet and I, and I chuckled because I thought it would take a very long time before that actually happens. And, and now we're actually seeing that executed with Polygon. So um, I found it really interesting. So I think today, either yesterday or today, the Polygon team released the last mile playbook uh, for FinTech on Polygon. It's a, it's a 31 page, super interesting read, but it goes through all the ways that Polygon can take FinTech companies over the last mile of adoption and help support them. And if we're seeing things like this happen with massive banks uh, putting government bond transactions against liquidity pools, then clearly they're taking that, that last mile playbook very seriously. And they're out vocalizing that uh, to to the market, and so it's it's incredible to see. I think we're going to take that playbook and probably break it down into some threads and some interesting articles uh, as part of block bites. But just it's an incredible execution. I'm interested to hear where Beavis thinks this could go uh, because this is just step one of you know okay here's your proof of concept right and JP Morgan like they played they have a, a department called Onyx uh, I believe which was referenced in the article that played like a really pivotal role in and bringing this to be so it wasn't just like they woke up one day and said ah shit you know let's go let's go swap some singapore dollars for yen uh and call it a day like they've been working on this for quite some time to make it fit within the risk parameters of of what their appetite will allow so um great news for everyone involved great news for polygon yeah, congratulations I, guys yeah and I, I think that's part of the entire sort of framework what's happening here right like carrying out industry pilots understanding you know risk management implications and and i think polygon's developing sort of the technical standards that are going to be required to have banks come on uh in, in a real institutional and, and government uh trading capacity to be able to do stuff like this so it's really incredible to see i think we're in inning one and there's there's obviously a long way to go as i'm sure this is probably a testing phase but it has to start somewhere and it started now all right, man. So, so another topic that has come up that I've got to give some love to is uh, the guys over at Stater Labs. So these guys, they're they're, you know, there's been other liquid staking solutions. In fact, there are other liquid staking solutions on the market. But these guys are heads down building, partnering up, trying to get you the absolute best yield on your staked matic. And they recently partnered with a protocol called CN or Cayenne. Clay, how the hell do I say that? C I A N <laughs> is how you say it. And uh, it's, it's it, essentially it levers up your, uh, your stake Matic and you also get SD tokens in return. So I've been, I've been tinkering around with this and it was not a straightforward process, but I want to kind of show you how this works. Emmett, if you could kick over to my screen real quick. So there's a couple of things you have to do uh, when you get into the, the CN app. The first thing you have to do is you have to create what they call a smart wallet. And this is essentially a contract that's going to act on your behalf. And you also have to give it something called EIP 2612 authorization. And essentially what that is, it's a signature saying that the contract can act on your behalf. And so this kind of gave me pause at first when I first saw it and I had to do a little bit of digging. So they give it a validity time. 
Uh, and so because it's a contract that's outside of your own wallet, that's executing all of these, that's something that you have to do and it'll be revoked over time. And you can just come back and update it. You can do it for as little or as much time as you want. Once you have done that, you need to come up here to the top. See where it says gas balance in red. You actually have to fund a gas balance. And that's the gas that's paid when this contract interacts with your behalf on your behalf, excuse me. So if you go over here to automated strategies, uh, you're going to see the Matic, uh, Matic X strategy that's happening here. And if you look at the yield, so when they first launched this back on October 25th, uh, it, it was at about, I would say 5% somewhere in there, which is congruent with what you'll earn from regular staking. And as soon as they turned on uh, the SD rewards, it shot up big time. And it looks like we're kind of evening out right now around the 24, 25% range. But the nice thing about that, that is like 450% higher than you're going to get from staking just traditional Matic. So that's great. So what you want to do once you've uh, set up your smart wallet, you've deposited money in the, in the gas balance, you want to come over here, you want to deposit. And I'm going to deposit 100 from my smart wallet balance into this particular one here. And then I kind of want to show you how this works on the back end because this is really, really cool. They've, they've put deposit limits on it for the time being, uh, but I, I have a feeling they're going to be removing them uh, at some point. So there's 127,000 Matic left to be deposited. So let's go ahead and execute. A transaction. So I am depositing 99 Matic into this strategy. What it's going to do, I want to I want to show you real quick as soon as this goes through. But essentially, what it's going to do is it's going to take a flash loan from Balancer. It's going to uh, at about twice the amount deposited. So I just put in like let's say 100. It might take a flash loan for 200. It's going to go stake that Matic for Matic X. It's going to then take that Matic X, put it on Ave V3 in the form of collateral. Uh, and then it's going to borrow on the other side and repay that flash loan, right? So it, it levers up your position. So you can see here, here's my 99 Matic position. These SD rewards are going to start to accumulate. And so look here, this kind of, kind of outlines what we just talked about. So it said 99 Matic. Now it says minus 198 Matic, but 286 Matic X, right? So that's that's pretty congruent. Matic X, 100 Matic X uh, would be worth like 106 Matic or something at this point. So this is a cool ass strategy that if you guys are into single-sided staking, uh, things that are on the lower risk end of the spectrum, and you're you're trying to get just like a, a higher return on your, your Matic, this is a great way to go. So I wanted to give these guys a little bit of love on that. Clay, have you have you played around with this yet, man? Um, I have not, but I, I got to watch you play around with it in real time. I think you just did a workflow uh, on a live episode, so bravo to you because that was fantastic. <laughs> um, but no, I, I haven't had a chance. I, I do think it's an incredible strategy, and I just love I love liquid staking. I love what Stater does. Um, you know, and what I like most about the strategies is every protocol you name that they're interacting with is is proven and audited and vetted with with Ave, with Balancer, with Stater. Um, and I was looking at at, at Cyan. It looks like they've also been audited by um, by Peck Shield, which is encouraging because uh, obviously you want to make sure that you're you're checking on on audits for for new protocols that you're going to be involved with. But I, I just love what both sides are doing. Um, and, and you really can't, you can't overstate the importance of liquid staking. It helps secure the network. 
Um, it, you know, you can stake your Matic across vetted set of validators that that Sater has a relationship with, and without staking, there is no network. So you can you can stake your Matic, you can get Matic X in return, and you can get APR cool just just for helping validate and and uh, and secure the network. So it's just an incredible strategy, and and I'm really glad you were able to show it. Nice. So, so we actually, we've spent a lot of time with the Stater guys. They, they have liquid staking, I think on six or maybe eight networks right now. Like they're no joke, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to an efficient team. It's uh, nine networks with, uh, 36 million in TVL and polygon and, uh, and a ton of other millions, um, across, uh, seven or eight others. All right, let's go. So we had a request from the Polygon team, in fact. So we told them we were we wanted to get into like some of the Polygon tech. And, you know, both Clay and myself looked at each other and we're like, well, we probably can't talk that intelligently about the actual granular details here. And they said, you know what? Bring Beavis on. Apparently, apparently people know Beavis. Uh, he's a snappy dresser. You know, he always does his hair nice for the camera. Emmett. Bring him on. He's a man of popular demand. Dude, <laughs> what a you did Beavis. not disappoint, man. Is that a Game of Thrones uh, dragon? What is that, man? This is uh, <laughs> a 90s uh, t-shirt from Liquid Blue, which was famous for making some of the most ridiculous t-shirts you've seen probably when you were a teenager or kid, if you're in your late 20s or early 30s. Okay. And the hair, right. uh, I just woke up like this. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, all right. So ZK EVM, right? This is the one that they're calling like the Holy grail of Ethereum scaling solutions. And so we've all heard of like the different rollups. Like you've heard of optimistic rollups. We've heard of ZK rollups, which use zero knowledge proofs, which we had a really good explanation from Alan from Railgun yesterday. If, if yeah. you haven't watched it, watch it. It's awesome. So, but what has been, so ZKEVM, obviously Ethereum virtual machine compatibility, what has been the issue up until this point with zero knowledge rollups being able to be EVM compatible? Yeah, so ZKEVM has been like this big white whale um, in, in ZK tech. And the reason for that is things like ZK rollups or things like, application specific zero knowledge tech are easy because you can design everything to suit a single purpose. So you have a simple application focused project. Now, ZK EVM is really hard because you need to allow composability. You need to allow arbitrary state changes, which essentially means you need to let developers, you need to let users do anything and have it driven by ZK tech and have everything verifiable using ZK proofs. Um, so Polygon is really cool because they've taken kind of a hard approach um, in that they've created kind of an EVM equivalent, like super scalable ZK layer, um, which on top of that, they've built this prover that's able to take the ZK Starks uh, being generated, the proofs being generated by this execution layer. And ZK Starks are cool because they're really scalable and they're quantum resistant. And they're able to boil those into ZK snarks, which are really cool because they're tiny, tiny, tiny. So you're talking about orders of magnitude smaller so that when they write to the blockchain and when they're actually creating these proofs, it's much cheaper. So the result is honestly ZK architecture that can take Polygon into the future and beyond. And I think that's what they were doing with Hermes and now Polygon ZK EVM is they're trying to create a super scalable private system 
that can scale with the technology and, and into the future. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about Polygon is they're creating technology not to suit today's market environment. They're creating technology kind of within their greater roadmap to suit the environment they see the world going um, in the next five, 10 years and, and beyond. Um, if you'd like me to go further into it, I can. But so I, 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 I have a quick question for you, Beavis. So just, just sure. for our, for, for the smooth brain apes, the simple brain people like myself. Super uh, smooth. Super smooth. <laughs> uh, so, so Polygon uses ZK proof basically to like club multiple transactions into groups before they relay them back over to the Ethereum blockchain in a single transaction. Is that sort of like a, that am I summarizing is, that right? It's pretty much it. So, so okay. really where the ZK tech comes in is it is, it is proving that all this exists without communicating any information besides the absolute most essential being, is this true or is that, it, or is this not true? Um, and, and, you know, we've gotten into Merkle trees and things like that before. I'm not going to bore our beautiful listeners, um, but really like they're taking all of this information using their, their aggregator and, and they're passing it to a sequencer and they're passing it to this prover. And that prover's job is going through all of these transactions and these transactions need to say, or, or the prover needs to say, is this correct or is it not? Yes or no. If it is correct, okay, we're going to add this to the next Ethereum mainnet transaction. If it's not true, then okay, you know, execute some fallback sequence or, or, or security protocol. Um, and that's the whole that's the whole thing, which in itself, you're talking about 40, 50 years of research that has gone into ZK Tech. And it has boiled into this, which is like a full-blown execution environment capable of doing literally anything. I mean, in theory, uh, you know, the limitations <laughs> of the EVM are, are going to be a big challenge, but we're going to be able to scale beyond that. Um, and, and like the significance of ZK EVM is just so, so massive. And we're able to get security that is on par with Ethereum with scalability that's on par with a lot of these L1s that are coming out. And, you know, I think what users shouldn't expect is, you know, subsent transactions and a billion transactions per second. But they will, what, what they will get is they'll get a modular system that's capable of scaling Ethereum to the next, you know, X hundred users and transactions that are probably going to be, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent of what they are on Ethereum, which when you're looking for Ethereum security, when you're looking for these multi-million dollar transactions, when you're looking for a place where you can feel safe in managing your finances long term, that's where ZKEVM comes in. And and it is like a really important milestone and, and Polygon's doing the really, really hard work uh, to make this happen. So kudos to them. I think this is like really, really amazing and, and shows their commitment to Ethereum. And, and that was something that was thrown into question a lot during the POS days. And this is them saying, you know what? We're committed like an order of magnitude more than all of our haters are. Uh, you know, we're pouring <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars into pushing this tech forward. And it's mostly going to be open source. Everything is going to be purely visible. All their code is open source. So really, it's like, you know, total, total public good, um, really killer, killer tech uh, from their end. So I'm excited to build on it. I know a ton of developers are excited to build on it. And, and this kind of 
changes the game a little bit. Once it launches, the the the, the world is never quite the same. So damn, I, bro. If I was like in a pitch room with you, I would definitely give you all of my money <laughs> after that. So let me see if I got this straight. Uh, again, non techie, but I, I can just see how excited you get over this, and I kind of want to like sharing that with you. So. We've got we've got optimistic rollups, which I think the world has kind of all agreed that that seven day lag time between like, you know, when when transactions are actually final on Ethereum is is not the ideal. So is that right with yeah. with optimistic? That's kind of the yeah, rub there. There's that. And then things that are optimistic in general. Now, you can use cryptography to, to make something optimistic. Anytime you say something is optimistic, it means you are assuming that the transaction is going to be successful that the proof is going to be valid, that everything's going to work out perfectly. And while you can use cryptography and you can use like high security rails and, and you know, engineering to make that optimism more fact than fiction, more theory than hypothesis, um, what ZK does is, is it makes it provably true in, I mean, I don't know exactly what the finality is gonna be, but it is fast. I know we're talking seconds. Um, as opposed to days or, or longer. And really that day, that seven day buffer is a security buffer because, you know, when you're optimistic, it's like check, but verify, you know, if you're a security right. engineer, let's say you're the most optimistic security protocol ever, you know, you're going to let people through, but you're going to keep an eye on them. You know, you're going to make sure they don't have any knives, um, <laughs> but hey, it doesn't necessarily need uh, all of that. And, and this is something that can scale us way into the future. And really what's exciting to me is once ZK tech, especially in the context of an L2 drops, where optimistic tech and ZK tech diverge, because I think that's going to be really important for both kind of existing in a market space is optimistic tech needs to find its domain. ZK, ZK tech needs to find its domain. Um, otherwise it's just a battle of like who wins. Um, and, and I think both, Technologies are fantastic, um, and I hope they both find their domain. But right now, ZK is like, it's like the, the holy grail. <laughs> so we were we were chatting about you know the JP Morgan stuff, right? That happened uh, just like yesterday, I think, and the news just came yeah. out this morning. Like like the ZK EVM is that the sort of thing where institutional DeFi players might find the best environment, or am I making that up? Or would that Eventually, be super nuts? I don't think they like the privacy. I think they like supernets. Um, uh, so, so a supernet is like a fully modular blockchain layer. So we've been talking a lot about these assembly layers that you can kind of build into. And, and really what Polygon supernets are, it's essentially like a blockchain factory. Um, so it produces like white label blockchains for people. Um, and then they can use those to execute whatever their business needs uh, are. So like you can have a purpose-built blockchain. And I think that's where banking is going to kind of go towards. So you're talking like subnets, side chains, things like that. This is a fabric to build all of that infrastructure on so that it's connected and, and it's really tight. So, you know, you have JP Morgan chain, you have HSBC chain, you have Bank of America chain, you have, you know, Abe chain, you have Compound chain, you have Byte Mason's chain. All of these, think about these blockchains as like, like actual physical buildings that each of these have. And then this layer, this interoperability layer, I forget what Polygon was calling it. I think Polygon Edge um, is able to facilitate communication communications between all of those entities seamlessly and, and very cheap. Uh, so we're talking about 
taking that scalability and applying it to different use cases, possibly more centralized use cases, whereas ZKVM, that is like infrastructure for the people in a lot of ways, um, because it is like the, the, the thing that's cool about ZK is like, it's so private that like if someone is like cheating or hacking, um, like let's say the person that deployed the network, and this doesn't apply to ZK Starks, just ZK Snarks. So I think it doesn't necessarily apply to Polygon because their core system uses Starks. Um, but if the person that sets up uh, the elliptic curve cryptography and, and all of the parameters for your ZK Snarks is cheating or is like submitting transactions erroneously, there's no way to know uh, because it's so private. And um, when you're when you're talking like when you're JP Morgan and you're analyzing solutions, I don't think that's what you gravitate toward just because, you know, you look at postmodern portfolio theory, you factor in the downside risk. You're like, maybe that's uh, maybe that's too much for me. Um, but, you know, I think that's why you need to focus on the really high profile trusted teams like Polygon and um, kind of zero in and, and make sure that they're held accountable in their processes, which, you know, they have Mudit Gupta, I think, on their team, who I'm sure has his hands all over this. Um, so I, I'm just really excited, and I know a lot of other people are as well. So you you explained you explained ZKEVM really well. You explained uh, Supernets really well. And then we just got, you know, so I would say five, six days ago, Axelar put out an article and I want to read some of it to you because this is, you know, it's, it's cross-chain messaging, cross-chain communication with supernets. And it says Axelar is going to allow DAP users to securely transfer assets to and from supernets and other connected chains in one click. They liken themselves to web three, like what Stripe is for mobile and internet applications. <laughs> so not small language uh, they're using to describe this technology that they're putting out. But I think extremely important. Uh, is this something that you're like up to speed on? Yeah, yeah. So Axelar is like, you know, using chain links terminology because that generally rises to the top. Um, it's kind of like a CCIP. So a cross-chain interoperability protocol. Um, so think of this where Polygon Edge is a fabric to create all of these supernets. Axelar is a fabric to facilitate communications between all these supernets as easily as possible. So instead of having to custody assets in point A, issue a derivative in point B, and just have all the clunkiness of bridges and things like that, Axelar allows a single API call to facilitate uh, these transfers. So you're talking about two entirely separate ledgers being two entirely separate blockchains. Axelar being able to make it as simple as like, you know, a, a little node in point one communicates with a node in point two. And now you have communication between the two networks of state, of context, and things like that, which, which are all super duper important. Um, so it just kind of levels up the ability for users, for teams. So going back to the bank analogy, all these different banks, it totally ups their ability to just talk to each other. And, and, and easier communication means easier value transfer, which means more efficient value transfer, which means cost savings to the bank, which eventually means cost savings to the end user, which eventually means market penetration, which eventually means disruption, which eventually means DeFi wins the universe. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Take my money, bro. Thank you. <laughs> so, so a question for you. So with the Axelar, like the cross-chain messaging, they call it, I mean, is this like traditional bridging where 
an asset is held in escrow and then released on the other side? Or is there, how is this working exactly? Do you know? Sure. So I am pretty familiar. Axelar, feel free to quote us in the comments if we're wrong. <laughs> um, but Axelar, think of it like a primitive level protocol. So this is giving, let's say a bridge or let's say uh, an, an, a smart contract or a system on chain A, the tools to communicate with chain B. And what you can do with those tools across that fabric is build infrastructure related to communication. So um, in the context of, let's say, things our users might be more familiar with, Fusion Network and AnySwap. Uh, so AnySwap being a multi-chain bridge, which connects Polygon to all of these other chains, is underpinned by Fusion, which is the interoperability communication layer. And Axelar is like the next generation of that. So on top of Axelar, you can build bridges, you can build you know, multi-chain token transfer protocols, you can build communications protocols, you can build multi-chain lending infrastructure. So imagine being able to lend assets on chain A, borrow on chain B, without needing to bridge anything. That's what Axelar facilitates. And so it's giving developers tools to build all of the infrastructure on top of it. Um, and really fabulous team, great supporters. And, and I've talked with the Axelar team personally, and those are some really committed guys. Uh, and, and I think like, you know, you talk about Polygon, you, you think about a commitment to the future. And what I like about Polygon is they were founded so long ago that like they don't have a lot of the baggage that a lot of these teams that maybe started up in 2021 do, you know? So they're laser focused on long time horizons. They're super duper mature. And I mean, you look at their roadmap, you look at their handbooks, you look at even their marketing materials, and you can tell like they're not here just to address some immediate market need and make a quick buck. They're here to dominate the world. Uh, and I can relate to that uh, as the CEO of the Bite Masons, the, the people who will dominate the world, hopefully, alongside of them. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for just for context for for those listening, you know, I don't. We haven't drawn any competitive comparison, so um, you know, XLR can be compared to like a layer zero or a wormhole. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just to like put a frame of reference in case people have heard of of other groups but aren't familiar with XLR. So those are that's kind of the competitive set. And I think. I believe part of the reason Polygon has has you know decided to work with them, I'm sure, was you know what they enable from a tech perspective, but also that they're really the most decentralized of the group um, that that I just named, uh, and they they support more chains than really anybody else, and I think they have more audits than anybody else in the space. So they, they really are kind of a front runner in this in this kind of yeah. subset of of people out there. So just giving a little context as to uh, yeah. kind of what makes them great. There, there's like this concept that I like to use when communicating like, okay, how do you build financial protocols? How do you grow networks? And really like you can boil it down to like discrete math, graph theory, all that. I'm not going to like bore your heads off. Um, but something cool about Axelar and even something cool about Polygon is they've been focused on building mass. And with mass comes gravity, with mass comes security. So a punch isn't going to upset like, you know, a 400-pound guy. And what a lot of teams are doing, like, say, Layer Zero, for example, is they're throwing down the tech and being like, we're going to build fast and we're going to break stuff. We don't care. We're just going to go light speed. But 
teams that build really slow and are like, you know what, we're not going to start focusing on marketing or BD until we have one or 2000 nodes, you know, or, or we have a certain level of security and we're just going to focus on the tech until then. And we're not going to hemorrhage the marketing spend required or, or hemorrhage the equity required to penetrate the market yet. Um, and just waiting, biding their time. And, and now we're seeing stuff like this come up where it's like, now you have kind of a tier one partner in Polygon and you have all of the infrastructure to meet them at a technical level um, and kind of grow alongside them. And, and I think that's what a lot of leaders in, in 2021 were seeing the market go crazy and they were holding their cards close to their chest and they're being like, you know, I'm going to spend this time building mass and there will be an eventual drawdown where our competition will be out of gunpowder. Our competition will be out of all the things they were like shooting off over the course of 2021. Axelar is one of those teams. I know Polygon is one of those teams. There are a lot of teams like that that we're going to see define the narrative uh, for the coming year. So I'm excited to see Polygon kind of lead the pack there. Yeah, I mean, so Austin, just one more thing. Just just to like be plain as day, you know, Axelar is bringing interoperability to Polygon supernets. And interoperability is a huge, it really matters. It's a huge thing. If you If you want to scale this industry, across you know the, the to the heights of which we think it can go you, yeah. you have to have interoperability and and you know enabling sort of this interconnectedness of of supernets uh for builders that are building on polygon edge uh to access liquidity across all of web3 it's absolutely huge yeah. and that is and that is probably you know i think it just a, a, a such a needed function and and it's pretty exciting boom dude bebus you're a damn legend, bro. Thank you. For, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, man. Really course, appreciate yeah. you, Beavis. Really We're going to have you in some future episodes, Beavis, so be ready. Pick out your shirt. <laughs> be ready, man. We're coming for you. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks All again, right, brother. Buddy. Great to have him on. Awesome yeah. guest. Uh, we're going to do it again. So let's move I mean, on. So go ahead. Uh, I just think that his perspective is so invaluable. Like every, every time he speaks, I learn like five new things. And, and then I try to take it back to, okay, what is the core mission here of what they're trying to achieve? And then, and then I'll rewatch the episode and put it all together. So that's uh, it, man. Amazing. That's it. So, all right. So balancer, uh, added their first boosted pools on polygon and people might be going kind of cool, a little bit more yield, but there's so much more to this. Uh, Clay, I'm going to kick this to you because i know you've done a bunch of work uh with the beethoven and balancer teams and i'm interested to hear your take on what what do boosted pools actually mean like why is this important for the future of DeFi? yeah thanks so i just i love the balancer v2 amm technology i love what they enable they are so different than the traditional uniswap v2 or you know, v2 or v3 models and you know they can do things so like outside of before we get into boosted pools fully like just having things like weighted pools. So where you can have 80% of one asset and 20% of another in, in one liquidity pair, it eases in permanent loss. It gives you sort of um, you know, less risk to, to potentially one side of an asset pair. And it's just, it's just such, a, um, just such a, an amazing type of liquidity pool that doesn't exist anywhere else. So there's just so many things that make Balancer special. And to bring boosted pools, so basically when you deposit liquidity into an LP, um, you know, about 90 to 95% of that liquidity just sits around every day to make sure that, you know, that slippage is low and that you're not, you know, that the pool is efficient. 
but it's not actually earning any APR out in the ecosystem for you as a liquidity provider. So really the capital efficiency just isn't there. It's not a capitally, capitally efficient pool to have 95% of liquidity sitting there unused, right? So what boosted pools do is say, okay, on any given day, we need, you know, 15% of this liquidity. The other 85% can be sent off to uh, another partner vault like an Aave, and it can actually earn passive APR for you as a liquidity provider by, you know, by depositing on Aave uh, as part of a strategy. And so when you're in these boosted pools, so for instance, I think I have the screen share of the one that they released. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, so the first one they released is the DAI USDC USDT boosted pool. So they'll take a percentage of, of this pool, send it off to Aave, and earn you passive APR as, as a, a liquidity provider simply by being in the pool itself. And so it's really just such innovative tech. And, and if you think about long-term sustainable yields, right, eventually we're going to hit a point in DeFi where there are no more emissions. The native protocol emissions have run out. And, and that's, that's the gotcha moment, right? Like, what do, what do we do then? And things like boosted pools create long-term sustainable liquidity uh, for liquidity providers. And so it's just such a innovation in the liquidity provision space. Uh, Beethoven and Balancer, um, you know, our, our leaders, you know, Balancer came first, obviously, but a complete leader in the, in the uh, AMM space. And it's really just incredible tech. So I'll stop there, see, you know, what questions you have or if you have anything to add, but super stoked to see this coming to Polygon. Three million already deposited in the pool and it's just a huge win for, for the ecosystem. So this is that sort of thing where, you know, so our DeFi, like I would say, really kicked off in summer of 2020, right? DeFi summer, that's when we had Sushi Swap and y'all probably remember Yam and the rebasing. And if you've been around, you remember those. And, yeah. you know, they all came out with their, all right, so here's our emissions schedule for our token. So we're incentivizing you with this token to provide liquidity on our decks, assuming that over time, the volume is going to pick up sufficiently that you, the LP fees will actually be enough to incentivize you. And they say like, you know, if you go out two, three, four years, well, eventually those emissions are going to run out. And so in times like this, where volumes are really low, like, is it really worth the risk for people to LP using their assets when you have smart contract risks and other things of that nature? So with a, a boosted pool, even if the emissions run out, they're still actively going and generating yield from other yield aggregators like Yearn and other places that, that have that available. Did I sum that up in a way that made sense? Like, is that I think, correct? I think you did an amazing job. That's exactly right. And, I'm flattered. And, Thank you. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so where does this go next, right? That's the question I would have as, as a viewer. So I, I see three stable coins. They are boosted. They're going to be sent off and, and to Aave, and, and I'll be able to get passive APR as a result. But you start thinking about, um, we, we mentioned Seder, but there's lots of liquid staking uh, options out there, and they will start integrating into these boosted pools where you've got two assets that are, are effectively correlated in price in Matic and, and Matic X, and you can boost those as well. And so we see this uh, with other implementations and other chains with boosted pools where you've got a, an already appreciating asset in the staked Matic X who's already earning APR plus being able to send that off with no impermanent loss because they're effectively pegged together. And so like the, the opportunities become really, really interesting as you start to evolve these strategies and get further down the line. So uh, I, I, would, I would venture to guess that we see that from Balancer at some point soon on Polygon. 
I could be wrong, but but I, that's that's where I'd place my money. Okay, so this isn't just a pool deployment. There's a lot going on here. That's right. uh very very exciting. Good I good explanation, dude. So you're like you're like the Beavis of boosted pools. That's what I would call you, man. I <laughs> I really I appreciate you diving into that. So we want to start uh, a new segment on this show, and we want to call it Strategy of the Week. And what we want to do is just feature one of the DeFi projects from around Polygon and show what the hell they have going on. And this week, we're going to talk about OVIX. Now, why are we going to talk about OVIX? Because they got a lot of cool stuff going on and they have some really, really cool strategies that we can implement, which I'm going to show you in a second. But they were the first lending market live on ZKEVM. Uh, they're number one for 90-day TVL growth on Polygon, according to Masari. Uh, what else do they got? They have a lot going on, Clay. Yeah, I mean, I think that you nailed probably the two biggest ones. We, I mean, we, we talked about them uh, a decent amount last week because of the ZK EVM, but it was probably more focused on the the importance of ZK EVM than it was on OVIX themselves. You know, I think they're you know they're a a, a lending market that really implements the first VE tokenomics model that, that I'm aware of. I mean, it, it might exist. I don't I don't know everything, and there's thousands of protocols out there, but it's the first one that I've seen where they've taken a VE tokenomics model to a lending platform. Uh, where eventually you'll be able to stake or, or excuse me, lock for a month, a year, two years, three years, four years, et cetera. And so a very, very interesting use case on the lending side that I haven't seen. And so, you know, I think we'll we'll continue from there. Why don't you go ahead and, and show what you'd like to show and we can. Yeah, you know, Emmett, kick over to my thoughts. screen for a second, man, because I want to show this. So this is not uncommon. So this is, you know, I, I, it's your, your basic uh, Ave type platform where you've got a supply market and you've got a borrow market. And these are especially interesting when they release their incentivized rewards. And in this case, uh, they have the VIX token coming out. And I want to show you a couple of things that you can do with this. So just to be clear, the VIX tokens are uh, their pre-mined rewards. They're uh, rewarded once every seven-day epoch at random intervals to keep you from being able to kind of like game the system. But if you look down here at these APRs, now for, for the Matic X token, which is the one I actually did a video on that uh, the other day that we'll be coming out with. So if you were to put Matic into Matic X, we already talked about you're going to be getting 6% on that. If you deposit it, you're going to be getting 1.67% just based upon the normal supply market. Now they're going to subsidize that with 10.5% more in VIX APR that will be released at a future date. There may be a lockup period. We really don't know. But here's what's really cool. So if you've ever heard of something called a uh, looping strategy or a folding strategy, it's essentially where you deposit one asset on one side and borrow that same asset on the other side and then redeposit it as collateral and then borrow against it again. And you generally can't do that with traditional markets. Like if these VIX APRs weren't here, you'd be getting 1.67 APY over here. But if you borrowed over here, you'd be paying 5.6. So it really wouldn't, they would wipe each other out. But because when you deposit, you're getting 10.59%. And when you borrow, you're paying 5.6, but you're getting an additional 25% over here. So it's essentially like an additional 20% on your Matic X, which is already an interest-bearing token. So deposit on one side, borrow on the other, fold it back into itself. And what you'll find is you're going to, you know, you want to be a little bit careful. You don't want to like completely max it out, but these are correlated assets. There's not going to be any price fluctuation. So in that sense, you should be, relatively safe uh, when it comes to liquidation potential and things of that nature. But you really only want to do them with the exact same asset. 
you could do it with something like Dai and USDC, but if you, you know, you kind of run the risk of one of the two depegging. Probably not going to happen, but if it did happen, then you run the risk of liquidation. So you really want to do die die, matic matic, or matic matic x, something of that nature. So this is a uh, I, I don't know how long this VIX pre mining is going to be going on, but it's got some pretty solid APRs right now. And for my money, especially if you're sitting in stables, like put them to work, man. Put them yeah. to work. I really I really like what these guys have going on. I mean, the fact that, you know, you as as a participant don't really have to do anything besides get into the market itself and, and you can you can earn VIX tokens is, is pretty awesome. And if you're doing looping strategies, you'll actually sort of compound those rewards. And, and you know, I was wondering, like, would they look for folks who are doing that and then not sort of increase their allotment because of a, a looping strategy? But they actually no, they, they do. It's considered they they yeah. I don't want to speak on the OVIX side of things, but most of your lending platforms actually encourage that because right. it, it gives CVL. you more supply. It, well, no, kind no. of. Sort of. It, it, it attracts more TVL, but there's only a TVL increase when it goes that first deposit on the That's supply true. side. After it's, that, it's, it's just kind of, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but nevertheless, what it does do is the more that's borrowed from this side, jacks up the APY, the more that's deposited on this side, right? It, 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 there's a, there's a balance that happens on the back end of Aave. So the markets, the markets have an APY based upon, uh, their popularity. And so this gives them more popularity. It keeps the funds churning through, uh, which is good for the protocol. So that's why we wanted to feature that strategy. Huge fan, uh, like that what these guys have built over here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get them on a show coming up pretty soon here. I mean, the fact that they're the number one 90-day TVL growth for Polygon is is pretty telling that they're they're doing something right. And I I like I, I wanted I want to talk to them because I want to dig further into this VE tokenomics model and and what it's going to mean for VE voting power. So once you get these VIX tokens and that's all enabled, you know, when rewards are getting kind of the way that I read it was you know chosen and distributed, whether it's Bitcoin or Dai or Matic, you actually have an impact as to what happens with the rewards across the platform for, for both sides of the lending market or excuse me, the lending and borrowing market. So I would love to sit down with them, learn more. It's super cool. Uh, that is your strategy of the week. And yeah, I think that's great. Awesome. That's it, man. All right. That's our last topic, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, if you've been watching this entire time and you have not liked this video or subscribed to the channel, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life. Do us a favor, show us a little love, hit that like button down below, subscribe to the channel. We're going to be bringing you premium Polygon content every single week, right here, same time. And uh, we would love it if you were along for the ride to join us. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. My name's Austin with Block Bites. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Clay Kilgo. And we will catch you guys on the next episode next week. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. See ya.